a miracle on I-55. This is Dive Deep. From the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, this is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith. I am Andrew Hansen, and on June 9th, 2021, on I-55, just outside of Springfield, three sisters from the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George, based in Alton, they were driving to Alton from Rock Island. That's when traffic came to a sudden stop on I-55 in a construction zone, and then their van was struck at an incredibly high rate of speed, right behind them that sent them into a two cars right in front of them. Their van was later described as a crushed soda can or accordion. Looking at the situation, a common thought was no one could have survived that. But by a miracle, they all did. And today we talk with Sister M. Clemencia Tolson about her escaping death and what she learned about surrendering to God her suffering. Sister, so good to see you. How are you? Thanks. I'm great. It's good to be with you and finally sit down with you about this. Yes. And I mean, I would have to, right out of the gate, I'd have to think the word so good to see you means something different today oh, than yeah. on June 8th, 2021. Definitely. And then the also the, the phrase, I feel like I got hit by a truck, really is totally different now. Okay. You yeah. can actually. Yeah, I can actually say that and it means something. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you have the humor behind it uh, because it's a. It's a harrowing story. As again, you escaped death. Um, it was, yeah. I mean, it was, to put it bluntly, I mean, not a good situation is to actually put it lightly. Um, so first things first, because there, there is, there's so many aspects to this story. There's three people who showed up on the scene we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. which was a miracle in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Of course, you and the two other sisters surviving is a miracle. And then everything that happened to you spiritually uh, that just, yeah. you know, took you in almost a different direction um, yes. with this accident. So first take us back to that day. I know you don't remember much, but set the scene for us. What do you remember on June 9th, 2021? I actually remember most everything. Okay. I only blacked out um, once um, upon the impact, of course. And then when they took me out of the ambulance um, to bring me into the trauma room, I think the pain from leaving the ambulance, I blacked out. But other than that, I remember everything. Um June 8th was definitely a totally different day. I was actually um, visiting my family on my home visit, um, and I traveled back to Rock Island. I was actually supposed to get back to Alton a few days later, but our schedules changed. So that in itself was totally um, God's will that I would be in this this van at this time. So um, one of the sisters was moving from Rock Island to Alton, so we had lots of boxes in the back of the van. Sister Michael was in the back seat. Um, I was in the passenger seat, and Sister Magdalene was driving. Um, I had just switched from driving, actually, um, and I was a little sleepy from driving, so I was dozing off. Um, it was a bright, sunny day, and when the sun hits you, yeah, I'm a goner in the car. <laughs> so I was falling asleep, and all of a sudden, I woke up, and something was off. I looked at my hand and I saw blood dripping. Wow, so you were asleep when you got hit. I was like dozing off, yeah. Okay. So I thought that I just had a dream and I must have fallen asleep. I woke up and um, saw the blood on my hand and by God's utter grace, my first thought was stay calm, don't move. Um, it's totally not my personality. <laughs> I'd be like, get me the heck out of here. But stay calm and don't move really like, it saved my life. Um, the Holy Spirit giving me those words, stay calm, don't move. Um, 
I remember sort of moving my head a tiny bit, and I saw Sister Magdalene actually stepping out of the van. She looked really confused. She was Our veils had flown off at the impact, so she was looking for her veil, and um, that's all I remember from her because soon someone just took her away. Um, so soon after that, me waking up and looking at the blood on my hands, someone was at my window. And at Describe this, the car. Did you were looking around? I mean, they, again, people describe it as an accordion. I mean, right. it, you guys were I, as I, smashed as can I be. I honestly did not look around too much. Um, I was in so much pain from my leg. I knew my leg at that point was broken. And I was in such an awkward position. At that point, I didn't know what the position was. But I knew, like... My view, my angle was just totally off. Um, ultimately, my head was on the cushion of the seat. Wow. Um, the back of the uh, car, the seat had broken, um, and I flew. My body flew up, and my legs ended up on top of the dashboard. Um, which that's a miracle, major miracle in itself. Um, they should have been crushed under the uh, front of the car. Um, there's no reason why they weren't. Um, actually, when I was in the trauma room, the, the doctors and nurses kept asking me, are you sure you weren't traveling with your legs on the dashboard? Hmm. And my response to that was, no, I'm a nun. I don't do that. <laughs> I say, we're always told not to do that. Like, Hello. <laughs> so um, they asked me that multiple times. Cause they're like, there's no explanation for this. Huh. So, yeah. So I was in an awkward position. I didn't know how bad it was. Now, really quick, you you said once one of your sisters was able to get out. Yeah, the driver. The driver. Mm -hmm. um, what about the other sister? No, she was in the back, um, the back seat. Um, she was really bad. And that was Sister Sister Michael. Sister Michael. Mm -hmm. So again, Sister Magdalene was able to get out. Sister Michael, were you able to look back, or was there any like, "Hey, are you okay? Could you guys verbalize to each other?" I couldn't look back um, because of the position I was in, but I knew something was off and. Actually, this is probably the the biggest emotion I had from the accident, the the recurring thing that I see in my mind all the time. Um, because the person at my window, I asked him, how's, how's Sister Michael? How's Sister Michael? And he wouldn't respond. And so I started screaming her name, and she wasn't responding. And I kept screaming her name. And at that moment, I thought to myself, she's dead. Um... That was the hardest part of the whole thing on the highway, um, was really, I felt she was dead. Like, eventually after I screamed her name about 10 times, um, I heard a, uh, and that was like enough for me to know she was still at least alive. Um, so I stopped screaming. <laughs> um, you didn't stay calm anymore after that, no. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did. Um, so, I know you're going to get to this, but the, peop the people that were at my window was actually a priest. Yeah, so, yeah, um, I, I yeah. Mean, and, and that was like, I set it up that, Whew, how, how, how randomly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so miracle number one is you all survived at that right, point. Right, um, Miracle number two is my legs ended up on top of the dashboard. They're number, number two. And then number <laughs> three, these yeah. three random guys show up, and lo and behold. Really? How? God is so faithful to his brides. And that's like my first thought of all this is that he showed his faithfulness right away. He sent his priests, you know. So there was a priest, a bishop, and a seminarian traveling through Illinois. They were about three cars behind us. And they happened to run out of their car. 
they came up to my window because it was busted out. At this point, Sister Magdalene had already been um, ushered away. She was calling on someone's phone, the convent. Um, and the priest came to my window, and I remember the bishop's face. And the priest said, are you, are you okay, and are you Catholic? Our veils had fallen off, so he had no clue. <laughs> and I, I know, like, my crucifix was off, too. The impact was just so horrible um so he had no clue and I I said yes we're sisters and I I remember the bishop's eyes went (gasps) and so they went right to anointing us um they could not get to sister Michael actually because the sliding door was um jammed from the impact um because the back end of the van, for those of you who are listening, the back end of the van was literally almost up to the steering wheel. And, um, and the person who hit you was in a truck. And did they ever estimate how fast he may have been going when you no, were stopped? I mean, no. It had to be at least 40, yeah. 50 miles an hour. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. With it being in a construction zone and traffic stopping very suddenly, um, the speed changed around that time, too. So there's n- no way of knowing. Um, so so, so in, that, mo- fast, in yeah. that moment, what's going through your mind of... Okay, how lucky I am to have these priests anointing of the sick. We know the power of the sacraments. Wow. And yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just, are you just overwhelmed? I mean, I'm sure your mind is all over the place. My but, mind but, is all <laughs> over the place at this time. So I do remember um, when I was holding the priest's hand, because my, again, my window was busted, so I could reach out. Um, and he was getting ready to sort of like assess things. And I said, please don't leave me. So he held my hand and I started. I realized, like, I need to stay awake. Um, I need to keep talking. So I talked to him and I asked him questions. What's his name? Where he's from? Um, which I don't remember his answers, but nonetheless. Um, and then I remember after that, I repeated the words, Jesus, I trust in you, which is my namesake, Divine Mercy. Um, and it just, it just flowed out of my mouth all of a sudden, like, Jesus, I trust in you. And, and did that just, just go, did that just really just it, calm you even? calmed um, me. Yeah. It's like this, this moment is what I've, um, has, this moment um, is my life leading up to this. My life has led up to this moment of uh, surrender and trust, really. Like, uh, this is ultimately um, the moment in which God is asking me to trust him fully. And if I can't say, Jesus, I trust in you in this moment in which I could die. And we don't know how bad it is. I don't know internal bleeding. Um, I just saying, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, have mercy. Um, I remember praying the act of contrition as well, um, knowing like this could be it. Um, so yeah, the priest, the priest didn't leave my side until the EMT people got there. And they had to bring out the jaws of life, too. For me, yes. So for Sister Michael, um, for the door, uh, they were trying to get it off because with a sliding door, it's a little easier to sort of like pull it off, I guess. Well, the EMT people couldn't get it off. So who comes in? The priest. (laughs) Yeah. The priest pulled that door off. Yeah. It's like, we're getting to her. Spiritual muscle. I love it. So, um, so yeah, he pulled the door off so they could get to Sister Michael, which her injuries were the worst. So I was glad they could get to her first. With me, I remember, this is sort of scary, but I remember the firefighter EMT person saying, don't rush getting her out, me. 
because there's no fire in the front. Take your time, you all. And I knew at that moment, this is bad. This is really bad. Um, So what I didn't know at that moment was my back was broken. Um, And so they were being very careful because of paralysis. Wow. Yeah. So, But at that point, you could at least... Were you almost like, I can feel my, my toes are wiggling, or could you not even do that? I, I didn't try to move at all because okay. my, my leg was broken so badly that even like moving it a hair was shooting pain. Shooting. So I could feel the pain in there, so I knew I wasn't paralyzed. <laughs> um, so that was a saving grace, but um, I, didn't, I didn't know my back was broken at that point. Yeah, your injury. So your left leg was severely broken in the tibia and fibula. Three of your left ribs were fractured. And there, of course, there are many unknowns at the time in re- regarding your spinal injury, right. as, as you said. And later it would be discovered, discovered that the middle of your back was broken vertically mm-hmm. at the jut out of the vertebrae and another vertebrae were slipping forward. So it was pretty bad. You were, you were an accordion. Um, and so what do you remember about going to the hospital? And I know sisters have later arrived and yeah. uh, take us through those moments. Sure. So I was in the trauma room. Um, all of us, all three of us were in the trauma room for quite a bit. I know that Sister Michael was a few rooms over from me. I remember asking, pastoral care came through. We were at HSHS St. John's here in town. Um, And pastoral care came in and I asked her, how is Sister Michael? Because I knew she was the worst. And when the pastoral care person, Sister Mara was her name, um, didn't tell me, I knew this is bad. Like, this is really bad. And as I was laying there, I thought, I have to call my mom. <laughs> um, my father passed away four years ago. So any trauma that happens in my family, it really is very hard for my family, understandably. So with my mom, I knew my mom needed to hear my voice. So um, by the grace of God, utterly, I remembered her phone number. <laughs> like, I don't remember anyone. I don't even know my phone number. I seriously, I don't even know my phone number. So how did I know my mom's phone number at that moment is beyond me. So Sister Mara let me use her phone. I called her and um, she saw the caller ID and she said, why are you calling from St. John's? I said, Mom, um, I've been in an accident. And I said it really calmly. I say you're you're probably fighting back excruciating pain. Mm -hmm. And my mom just started screaming. I'm like, mom, <laughs> I'm the one in pain. No, um, but it was just her automatic reaction. And I'm like, and she asked me how the others were. And when I said, I don't know, that's when she knew this is bad. So um, I have a cousin here in town. So he came to the hospital pretty much right away. Our sister's here in town, who now I live with here in Springfield. Crazy. Um, they came right away, Sister Catherine. When Sister Catherine walked into my um, trauma room, um, I realized until that moment I had been holding in a lot. Um, she walked in and I just lost it. Just guttural sobs, like just everything that had happened. Um, she held my hand and just stayed with me until I could calm down. Um, Actually, also in the trauma room, I remember the um, one of the police officers came in that was at the accident scene. Her name is Robin. Um, I pray for her often. She was a saving grace, really. Like she actually was got in the van with me and um, stayed with me until they could cut me out. Um, when they put a sheet over me so that any particles from the jaws of life 
wouldn't touch me. Um, Robin put herself under the blanket as well and stayed with me and talked with me. So she came to the trauma room and um, said, I called my husband. I told him I'm going to be late for supper because I got to go check on my girls. (laughs) So she was just, she's amazing. Um, So yeah, Sister Catherine, Robin was there. My cousin was there. My mom arrived about an hour and a half later. She's from Hannibal um, near Quincy. So she arrived um, to be with me. Then our superiors came. So it was quite the crowd. Um, And they were, all the sisters were running from sister to sister the whole time. Our sisters from Rock Island came down um, quickly. So we had a lot of people during COVID time Mm. in that hospital. And the hospital was so gracious to us. Um, They let all of them in. What'd that do for you in that moment to see all these people coming to you, holding Uh, your hand? being there for with you and it was surreal for sure um i felt supported and loved i felt like god was really telling me you see i've never abandoned you um i will never leave you and um it was just a beautiful moment of seeing god through the people that i love the most really um yeah it was an incredible feeling of knowing like i had the support i needed um, to get through this really, really trying time. Um, for sisters to like wash my hands off from the, with the blood, um, two sisters just stroking my head and calming me down, holding my hand when they were putting on a temporary cast. Very painful. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I heard that the tib fib break is common, um, in football players. Whenever they get a leg break, that's like a chill. You're like, you're like, you're like an NFL player now, you know? You know? <laughs> so uh yeah it was pretty darn painful so they were they were squeezing my hand holding it when i would scream out they were calling people um that i knew like my spiritual director they called him up um to talk to him and as i was talking to him on speakerphone um the words just the phrase to him and it came out of nowhere this is, again god's intervention was father help uh, pray that i can suffer well yeah, and I want to get into that suffering yeah. in a little bit, um, but I want to ask you this question because, of course, we lay out all these miracles that happened with you, uh, surviving being the most prominent. Mm-hmm. But still, it's kind of that question, why does God allow bad things to happen? Do you do you look sure. back and do you ask, why was I a part of this? Why did I survive? Yeah, definitely. Um, even soon after the accident, um, I was on a retreat weekend with some youth um, in my glory with my cane, and I was... Um, yeah, with these these youth and thinking, what does the Lord want me to offer them? And as we were preparing for that retreat, one of the teens died in a car accident. Oh, jeez. And I heard that, and I thought, why did I survive? Like, why couldn't that teen have survived? Um, so I've asked that a lot. Why did I survive? Um, why did we survive? I think there's it's multifaceted. I think there's so many reasons um, that I will never know why I survived. On a personal level, um, I think the impact of God, um, God impacts our life in so many ways. He uses anything and everything for his good and his glory. Um, So I know that God's impact in my life, literally (laughs) impact of the car, but figuratively too, um, he needed a change in my heart. (laughs) He desired me to be fully alive in him. And it took this impact for that to happen. 
Um, so are, are you saying kind of there was a part of you before this accident that maybe you felt a little disconnected or is there a, a relationship with you and God that there was one aspect that you knew wasn't quite right? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, I, I've heard someone say you, you hear God calling you to the religious life priesthood and on the day of your profession, you lay down your life but then you spend the next 50 years taking it back bit by bit. And I knew there was some disconnect in my religious life that I wasn't um, aware of, or I wasn't deeply um, aware of his love for me, his profound and utter love for me. It was always a yeah, but, (laughs) and now it's an and yet, and yet I, I love you. Um, so I do think that this accident brought out in me a suffering that I will probably never know again. Um, but it also brought with it a closeness to God that I can't deny anymore. Like it's knowing his love for me, his saving grace for me, knowing that he has asked me to be on this earth and continue to be on this earth for his glory and that he will use this to bring others to him. Um, Yeah. You actually wrote in Catholic times when you were reflecting on this accident, uh, you said, I have not once sensed that I've been abandoned by God in this great suffering before the accident. Like many people, I carried within me a deep wound of abandonment Mm -hmm. though the various events encompassing my life. I struggled reconciling with a God who would allow such deep pain and woundedness. Yeah. I held on to bitterness and resentment. I allowed my past to control my reactions, my anxiety, and my joy. Mm-hmm. The accident brought about in me a surrender of this control. I could do nothing to stop the pain, but could only give God permission to draw good out of the situation. Yeah. Tell us more about that. I mean, that's, 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 Who wrote that's, that? <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, it's, well, what strikes me though is on the surface, people look at you, oh, sister, you got a great relationship with God. Everything's going great. And, you know, and here you are admitting that yeah, actually I'm it broken. took it took a, a, a near-death experience mm-hmm. for me to fix something with my relationship with or God. For God to fix it in me, <laughs> to give him permission, to allow him to impact me. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it took that. And honestly, when I wrote that... Um, I was in a a definitely learning the meaning of a spirit of poverty. I was very poor. I could do nothing for myself. I had to depend on everyone else for literally everything. Um, I had no control. And I really love control. (laughs) I, I do. I had no control over anything. And I thought... Yeah, um, at this moment, like, it's just a deep spirit of poverty. But when I wrote that, like, I I definitely, I was in the midst of, it was around August, right? So I was still in a wheelchair at that point. Um, Yeah, there was a deep sense of surrender. I think that, honestly, that knowledge of God never abandoning me and my past and my past bitterness and anxiety, resentment, all those things, my woundedness, it actually didn't come to a forefront until later in my recovery. Um, so that was sort of the the tip of the iceberg, and then the iceberg hit a ship. <laughs> um, it was 
very hard year for me. Um, around February, I ended up um, stopping teaching. So I was a fourth grade teacher in Rock Island. I asked to take a leave of absence from that teaching because PTSD had set in uh, from the accident. And it's such a strange thing, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it came really all of a sudden. Um, things were triggering me like loud noises um, and being in a school and loud noises don't really go together. Um, Especially fourth graders. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was being triggered on a daily basis. I was hypervigilant. Um, brake lights on cars, big trigger, stop lights triggers, construction zones, highways. Um, I say, are you constantly looking at your rear view mirror? All the time, all the time. All the sisters are actually like now after this accident. Um, loud noises like chainsaws, definite trigger um, because they cut me out of the, the van. So I was experiencing this, these triggering moments of PTSD and um, on a daily basis, I, I was anxious. And I was shaking and I was constant headaches. Um, it was bad. And I started going to therapy. Um, so if you're someone who is on the verge of seeking help, please do it. <laughs> I can't say that enough. It helped immensely. Immensely. So, um, so I started going to therapy to an expert on PTSD and... Um, she gave me a lot of great tools to help me. But one of the things she said, and I, I love this image, and it's going hearkening back to my past, is that we all have a shopping cart. And we put in that shopping cart all the things that have happened in our life, um, be it struggles, be it family situations, be it abuse, be it whatever. We put them all in there. And it's nicely fit and snug, you know. I'm a good shopper. I can I can pack that thing. So we pack that cart up. But then P something like PTSD happens, a traumatic event like PTSD with PTSD, you throw that in the cart, and it's a hot mess. And the cartwheels break, and everything spills out like a bag of rice, and you can't put it back together. And so not only are you looking at the PTSD, the accident, but you're looking at everything else from your life. And you have to come to a way of reconciling that in your life and giving that to God, giving him control. So what my therapist and I did was we actually went through an entire timeline of my life, starting with the accident and going backwards. And she had me write it all out. And then she had me put a column and she uh, had me write down the good things that happened from these events. And instead of now looking at these past events in my life, including the accident, in bitter ways, I could see, oh, this happened, though, and this happened, and God was present here, and I met this person because of this situation, and I learned this about myself because of this, and it totally changed my entire perspective of the accident and why I was put in that situation. So, um, yeah. Therapy and tools to function are invaluable. Now, you mentioned earlier in our conversation about about suffering and, and you, the, the, char, the charism. I say that right, charism. Charism. Mm -hmm. Every time yeah. I see that word, I'm always I like, know. "Is it chair?" It, no, it's charism. <laughs> so, the charism of the sisters mm -hmm. of of Saint Francis the Martyr, Saint George, is to make Christ's merciful love visible. Yeah. How has this accident 
okay, we already talked about you connect, reconnecting with God, yeah. but when you think about Christ's suffering, his passion and death, what pops into your mind with what you went through and what he went through and, sure. and, and how does that, you know, build you up spiritually and, and connect right. you? So, um, it's funny you should ask that today of all days. So today is the, for us, the solemnity, solemnity of St. Francis. See all these big words uh, in Catholicism. <laughs> um, yeah. So today is the Feast of St. Francis for us. And, um, this morning as I was in meditation, um, I asked the Lord, like, Jesus, why did you call me to be a Franciscan? You know, I have like this love of knowledge that's very Dominican, um, I have a, a spirituality that is very um, Carmelite in the whole dark night of the soul business. Um, sort of comes from suffering, I guess. I don't know. Um, but Lord, why am I Franciscan? And the answer came to me in two words, joy and cross. And, and, and on the surface, one would, those two are <laughs> not connected. Right. <laughs> So as I was sitting there of all days thinking of this, as I knew we were going to do this podcast, I realized I had been called to be a Franciscan because of deep joy. Francis was a very joyful man, obviously. Um, I mean, who can play with two sticks in the forest and be happy? (laughs) He was very joyful. He was very joyful in his poverty. Um, And I was attracted to our community because of our joy, essentially. But also, looking back at my life, I was always enamored and drawn to the cross, to the crucifix. I would always pray before the crucifix. Um, And still, I find myself at home looking at a crucifix and knowing, like, this is my salvation and the Lord has called me to this life of suffering of the cross as much as Francis loved the cross so much. so yeah, I think that's where the, our charism comes through. Joy and suffering um, really is uh, partly a definition of that merciful love is like finding joy in suffering and suffering for others. Redemptive suffering. Um, yeah, I think redemptive suffering and suffering for others is a form of mercy. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that because uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen uh, a Peoria native has mm-hmm. talked about suffering and he said, there's nothing more tragic in the world than wasted pain. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, I always remember growing up, my mom always say, you know, I don't want to eat my vegetables. Offer it up. Offer it up. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't want to do this. Offer it up. And I think as parents and as lay Catholics, we sometimes throw that phrase out there, ah, offer it up. Mm-hmm. But there's truth and beauty behind if there you is. do truly offer up your suffering and your pain to help others, much like we pray for others or do acts of mercy for others mm-hmm. or volunteer for others, embracing our suffering along with Jesus and uniting that suffering with others around the world. Yeah. How much in your suffering were you saying, dear Lord, I'm, I'm offering my suffering for X person because I know they're going through that. Mm-hmm. And and how much, how much are you more thinking readily in your everyday life of this little pain, I'm going to, bam, mm-hmm. offer it for mm-hmm. people of Ukraine, bam, for poverty. Uh, how, and, and what's your message for us lay Catholics sure. as well in that regard? Sure. So I did find myself um, day in and day out. There were so many things that I could say, I offer this for this person or this sister or this family member. Um, one of the things I remember in my recovery that profoundly changed me was the fact that um, because of my back injury, they had me in a pretty much a full body cast. Um, It was a plastic, big, 
uh, shield thing around my entire body. One of the sisters named her Helga. Um, I look like a Viking woman, apparently. <laughs> it was pretty rocking. Um, so Helga really restricted me from doing much of anything. I had to shower with her. I had to sleep uh, with her on. Like, it was awful. Um, I had to lay flat so that um, I could be dressed. I couldn't dress myself even. Um and I remember laying on that bed. Um, it, to be fully disclosure, like, I'm naked at this point, you know? Like, I'm coming, like, from this place of utter vulnerability, and other people are dressing me. I can't do it myself. And I had this thought, this is how Christ was on the cross. This bed is my cross right now. Um, and as Christ offered his body up for us, now the Lord's asking me to do the same. And so there were so many people going through my mind at this moment, like I can offer this moment for this person, for this situation back in Rock Island, um, for this sister who's struggling in her vocation, um, for this married couple who are getting a divorce, um, for this child in the womb who might not survive, for so many, so many things um, that the Lord can use my suffering just as his suffering was used for our salvation. My suffering can be used for his glory. Um, and so if I could take a little bit off of other people's plates by my own suffering, so be it. Um, that's and the it, mystery of suffering. Yeah, and, and it's a beautiful thing because I know yeah. in that moment you might not be able to pray because your mind yeah, might be elsewhere. But again, <laughs> suffering in that sense is a, is a form of prayer. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so I want to ask you, how are you, Sister Magdalene and Sister Michael, doing today? Sure. So today, um, <laughs> every day is a new day. Right now, um, the sisters ask me what the weather is going to be like. Because I have a rod in my leg from my knee to my ankle with four screws. I'm a natural weather vane. So I can tell you when a storm's coming, like two See, days in advance. It's awesome. I mean, look, look at the perk. <laughs> get, no, I don't want to go there. But. <laughs> I set off metal detectors in the airport, you know. Um, so my leg uh, is, it has its good days and bad days. Sometimes uh, it swells just depending on the weather. Um, it's hard to walk sometimes. But you're now independent. Yo, yes, very much so. Um my back is, for the most part, healed bone-wise, but I, I do have continual pain. Um, so that's just going to be a daily cross. It's a reminder of, um, of the accident, of the suffering he's asked of me. It's my poverty in a different way. You know, Francis was very much, St. Francis was a very poor man, and he very much lived gospel simplicity and poverty. And... Sometimes I, I, I struggle in that vow. That's like one of my things. Um, but the Lord is like, but I have asked you a different type of poverty right now. And this is it, this suffering. So, um, yeah, sometimes I do have to wear a back brace. Um, different than Helga, praise the Lord. <laughs> she has retired her duties. <laughs> now it's Gertie. Um, Gertie is like a girdle and she's not really fun at all, but she really helps. Um, so that's me. Mentally wise, um, so much better. Um, I do have certain moments. And but the beautiful thing is I know myself now. I know my limit. 
I know when I need to step away from loud noises or that I can't handle something. I have tools to help me to stop and wait. Um, Sister Michael has had some complications. She was the worst injured. So um, she ended up having a hip hip, um, replacement later on um, when the surgery that happened a few weeks after the accident didn't hold. So she's doing okay. She doesn't remember anything at all from the accident. Um, She pretty much wasn't awake for two weeks after the accident. So, um, yeah. And then Sister Magdalene, um, she is doing pretty well, actually. Yeah, she's in Alton. Um, She had these injuries, but, of course, you have the fact that she was the driver. Um, And so she struggles with that. But um, I think the beautiful thing is all three of us can say, the support of our community has been immense. Um, their love and support, their co-suffering with us, um, it makes me love my community even more every single day. Yeah, and my final question for you, Sister Clemencia, when you, and this might be a hard question, but when you look back over everything mm. and you were to try to wrap it up, I mean, what goes through your mind when you think back of what you went through, how your relationship with Christ blossomed, um, how you're taking on suffering in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure every day, I mean, I know you always looked at each day as a gift, but a reminder for all of us yeah. that, I mean, no, you really need to take that seriously. Yeah. Um, when I look back, I I think the first thing that came to my mind as you were speaking was God is so good. Um, his goodness and his faithfulness are just number one in this. Um, really quick, what's interesting right yeah. there is, again, I mean, I think people who might be listening being like, how can you say that? Yeah. You almost died. You're still in pain. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's so interesting, you know, uh, your your frame of mind, that that's, that's totally an, uh, countercultural it is, there. It is. You know, people would be yeah. blaming God. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe yeah. you put me in this situation. Yeah. God, you're allowing bad things to happen. Um, but the yeah. joy that has now resonated from the, just that frame of frame of mind change mm-hmm. compared to the culture. Yeah, I think that um, people use suffering as an excuse to deny God's existence. And really, suffering is a means to show us that God does indeed exist. And I know that sounds total paradoxical, but stay with me. The thing with suffering is that um, God has given us free will. He created us out of free will to love him and to choose to love him. He didn't want to force his love, right? Um, Because love is not love if it's forced. So God gave us this free will to choose him. And in free will, I would not choose to suffer, right? I wouldn't. So if I'm not choosing to suffer, then... Either suffering is horribly bad or it is good. Um, And how can it be good? Well, if God is goodness himself and if he chose to suffer, then it must be good. You know, like it must be good for my soul. It must be good um, because he can make it good. So really suffering for me Um, It makes sense to know that suffering really is, um, it doesn't deny God, but it actually proves his existence that he chose suffering 
And he's asked us to do the same, to imitate him, to be in his image and likeness. And that if his suffering had redemptive quality, then mine can too. So yeah, I think that um, really like what came out of this accident for me is knowing his goodness and his faithfulness and really how I started off that article with the song, It Is Well With My Soul, which we're in my office right now and I have a lot of different places where it says it is well with my soul. It's become sort of this song for me. Um, And I said in my article, the story behind that song um, resulted from immense suffering from the author, losing many of his family members in a tragic accident. And this song welled within um, from his soul that though all of this has happened, though the rivers have swelled, though the waves have taken my family away, it is well with my soul. I can say this. And that is something that I say often. It's well with my soul, regardless of the impact of this accident being hit by a truck. Um, I'm here to say it as well with my soul. And I'm here to say that God is good. Regardless of if I would have died, he's still good. God's always good. Mm. We're so glad you're still with us, though. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, God, for keeping Sister Valencia with us. (laughs) Well, Sister, thank you again for sharing your story. I know it still, you know, can bring back some, some bad memories, but at the same token, I think the way you approach it and suffering is a reminder for all of us on, on to take on our, our suffering and to use it for others, but also to sure. to look at our lives in a whole new way because you never know the day nor the hour. So yes. we appreciate you coming on Dive Deep and, yeah. of course, telling your story. And again, we're so glad you're still with Thank us. You. Thanks. <laughs> this has been Dive Deep. Uh, if you would like more podcasts, head on over to dial.org slash podcast. And if you want to give to help us support, dial.org slash give. Until next time, we'll see you right here on Dive Deep. Dive Deep.